with power. There is no word of God that is powerless. So, Lord, we honor you, we love you, we thank you for the power of God in our lives, and thank you for the increase in everything, increase in power, increase in anointing, increase in our faith, increase in our fruit of the Spirit. Just increase us in every way, Father. We need it so badly, and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So today we're going to talk about living in the land of abundance. Amen. Living in the land of abundance, and that land is a spiritual land. You need to know that. that that's, you know, your life consists of more than natural things. That's what Jesus said. He said, does not your life consist of more than food and clothing? And that's a good question. And we need to ask ourselves, Lord, what do I focus on most of the time? And I guarantee you for most people it's what they can see or what they want to be able to see that's not there <laughs> that we hope for in a natural in a natural sense. But many times we miss... <clears throat> The true essence of our lives, what really keeps you, what brought us to the Lord? Let me ask you this. What brought you to God? It really was a spiritual hunger. It wasn't, it was really, you know, a natural problem might have triggered it, but it was really a spiritual hunger. And so once that hunger was filled with your born again experience, it didn't stop being a need in your life. In fact, that need will increase as you walk with God. People say things like, well, the more I walk with God, the more I know I don't know him too well. You know, we get to know him, that kind of stuff. Because we are yet to experience the fullness, fullness of God in every aspect of life. And so when we see difficulties in life, they really point more to a spiritual challenge than they do a natural challenge. If you if if lack of money didn't bother you, you'd be fine. But it bothers you because not so much of what uh, you can't do in the natural, but because of how it makes you feel not to be able to do certain things. And so those are always spiritual roots to things that we see. There's natural, say, natural manifestations, but there's always a spiritual root somewhere. And so when we understand that there is a spiritual root, then we'll begin to understand, well, I think if I could get everything right, spiritually speaking, I could live a blessed life. I mean, I could be content. If this didn't bother me and that didn't bother me, I could be content. Even our physical ailments, sometimes, you know, you ever notice that things will bug you more if you pay attention to them. Uh, that's how Abraham overcome came by considering not, not thinking about, not meditating on, not considering certain things. And so when we understand that we don't have to consider certain things, then we will understand that that consideration really is a mental and a spiritual discomfort that's generated there. It's not really anything to do with what's in the natural. The natural really is just a trigger, and it sets something off, uh, uh, an unbalance uh, in us that will cause us to have a, a mental and a spiritual reaction to things. But, you know, if you think to yourself, boy, if I could just let so-and-so and such-and-such quit bothering me, uh, I could live a peaceful life. And so, really, that's what life in, in uh, living the, in the land of abundance is all about. It's about living in the abundance 
of uh, fruit of the Spirit, in the abundance of grace, in the abundance of appreciation of God, in the abundance of life in God. And so when we talk about living in the land of abundance, we're talking about an abundance of all things, especially spiritual things. So it's an abundance of all things, especially spiritual things. If we're lacking in spiritual things, no matter what we have in the natural, we will feel a sense of lack. Huh? It's just true. That's what brought us to Christ. You know, I had a good job. I thought I had a good marriage. It was kind of going downhill. And, uh, but I was still very unhappy. Why? Because there was an upset in my life. I didn't have peace about my situation. There's something was wrong somewhere, and I couldn't get to the root of it, and I couldn't get it figured out. And so when we live in that place of not having that certain level of peace and not having that certain level of comfort and that certain level of joy, then we will will, uh, live in a a sense of lack and not have uh, uh, the abundance that God wants us to have. So the land of abundance really is a spiritual place, and it can be accessed at any time. So you don't have to wait for a season of something in order to live in the land of abundance. You can live in the land of abundance at all times. Um, sometimes meditating on, on lack will put us in a place that seems impoverished. But I want you to know that you can live in the land of abundance all the time. It doesn't have to depend on your material uh, situation. It doesn't really have to uh, depend on your physical comfort. You know, you can live in abundance and have ailments in your body or have things that aren't quite adjusted right in your health and so forth and so on. And so when you understand the uh, land of abundance that God has ordained for us, uh, it is accessible to us at all times. God wants us to dwell there. He wants us to focus on not what we lack but what we have. Because really, if you lack anything, you have to believe it's coming in order to understand God. You know, the land of abundance is full of faith and full of hope and understands that if there's anything out of order in your life, then the answer's on the way. Got me? It's coming. It's never a maybe because all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes by us. All you have to do is say yes to what God wants to bring you as the answer, and then you know the answer is on the way. So the land of abundance is really a good land. That's a good land that God has given to us for us to inhabit for his glory. And it's a wonderful place because God has given us free access there. We can be there anytime we want to. We can live there. We don't have to be pulled away. You know, you know the enemy is always trying to distract us with things. He'll start messing with stuff, moving stuff around, break this down, break that down. But if you learn the proper response to these kinds of what we call upsets or these kinds of uh, uh, things that don't go right all the time, if you learn the proper response in God, then you can live in the land of abundance at all times. You really, really can. You can live in the land of abundance at all times. And so <clears throat> what we want to tell you, though, about abundance is the first First thing you need to know about living in the land of abundance is that it is a thankful place. It is a place of thanksgiving. Amen. 
Jesus lived in the kingdom of God. He lived in the land of abundance all the time. Amen. And he knows the keys to abundance. He knows how to teach us how to live abundantly. In fact, he said that. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. See? And so Jesus is showing us the way to living the more abundant life and living in that land of abundance. And, and that's really the thing. If you can start thinking of abundance as not so much natural and what you can see, but the fulfillment in your heart of things. So many people uh, lose heart. That's one of the things that causes people to walk away from the promises of God. You know, the Bible says that, that don't not to get weary in doing good because in due season you'll reap if you don't faint, if you don't lose heart, if you don't get upset, if you don't uh, get angry and let that carry over and motivate you to do something stupid and then you feel bad and then you don't want to repent, uh, you know, all down the line. I've been there. You got me? Been there so many times, you know. And and then you think to yourself, well, how do I get out of this mess I put myself in? Huh? You gotta you gotta wait for either somebody get mad enough, somebody you pout long enough, somebody ask you what's wrong. You either bite their head off or yield and let them pray for you. You know, God'll always come and rescue us. But it's so much better to pull yourself out of that and have something in your heart already prepared for that to meet that thing so that you don't spend most of your time being upset about something that God's already said the answer is coming the answer is coming we want our answers immediately somehow we don't like to fight to pay the price of faith for to develop ourselves to the point where we teach ourselves how do we expect good from God by meditating on his word, hiding the word in your heart. I know it's old, old stuff, you know, same thing over and over again. That's what makes it work for you because it don't change on you. See, things that don't change, you can grab them right away and you know they work. Amen. You know they work. And so when we understand that what we're doing is setting ourselves up so that God can bless us and God can stay close to us, then we'll be willing to do the things that need to be done without fail. only thing that we do is when you're upset about something and you, you want to stay in a snit about it and a twit about it, it's just you just fail to take the remedy that God is. The last thing he told you to do to get yourself straightened out, you need to keep doing that. And so that's what we do. We wind up in the same old mess again. How do we get here? Well, you know how you got there. The important thing is get yourself out. Amen. Get yourself out before you make it your home. You don't want to make that your home. You want to live in the land of abundance. So Matthew 14, you see one of the keys to abundant living, Jesus gave that to us in this example in Matthew 14 and verse... But start in verse 15. It says, When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Now, anytime you come up to Jesus, you better make sure that what you're saying 
<laughs> is in agreement with him. Okay. So the disciples know what's going to, if they dare say anything that Jesus doesn't agree with, they're going to get corrected and they're going to get told the right way to do it. So here is a teaching experience for them. And I wish we would all look at correction that way. These are teaching experience. Because you, you wouldn't come to church as often as you do if you didn't want to be successful in life. Some of you are more more given into it than others, but you can get really stirred up and believe in total success in everything if you allow yourself to. See, this is what God has planned for everybody is to have 100% success in everything that they do. That's God's plan. What you settle for is how you want to modify that plan. Well, you know, God didn't mean 100% everything. Sometimes people don't do right. and You know, we all allowed a little. Why should you be? That's right. uh, why should you allow yourself? Uh, it's amazing. I look at some of the, the things that, that people react to. When people see confidence, it puts conviction on them. When people see wealth. It puts shame on them. When people, you understand what I'm saying? These are, like, why? Because they're spiritual forces. See, these are, it's not just somebody's bank account, but people who have success walk in a different spirit. They walk in a different frame of mind. They walk in a different attitude about things. Their attitude and everything is totally different. I had the experience when we went out to the, um, the uh, um, retreat in California, Chuck and I went, uh, the woman that is in charge of that ministry is a very dynamic and aggressive person when it comes to soul winning. And so when I was around her, I found myself saying, well, how come I don't get out and do more? You know, I mean, and that's what I'm supposed to do. You I'm supposed to do that, see. And see, that's why, why sometimes people don't have success because they don't see that as a challenge for them to come up higher. They want to justify their lack of and say it's okay. You hear what I'm saying? See, you won't get very far if when you're challenged like that, you start justifying where you are and say it's okay. So I told the Lord, I said, you know what, God, I know why we have empty seats, because we don't go out and get people and bring them in. You understand what I'm saying? And so, amen. And so if we can do anything to stir ourselves up to do that more, you know, talk to somebody on your way to church here. Don't be afraid of people in this neighborhood. You moved in their place. This day neighborhood, they was here first. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and it's just the truth. We we have to understand. See, one of the problems with the church is that we're full of liars. We 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 gloss over gross disobedience. We gloss over bad attitudes, and we try to make nice to people because we don't want them to be offended. Well, when has God ever told you not to offend people? Huh? Is that the goal of Christianity, to get along with everybody and everything? That's why we're in the shape we're in, even in this nation, that our, we can't preach certain things, we can't preach certain places. Why? Because we've been trying to get along with everybody instead of just go ahead, offend them, and let the chips fall where they may. See, this is God's gospel. This isn't my gospel. 
It's not yours either. We're just custodians of it, and we better make sure that we're good stewards of what God gives us, and we're not watering it down so that we can keep a certain level of people around or not offend people or whatever, whatever. You know, the truth is always going to prevail over a lie, and God is always going to stand up for us if we proclaim his truth. If you proclaim truth, proclaim truth. Don't try to water it down and make it sound like it's not true. If people are wrong, they are wrong. And so I got a good correction while we were out there. And I I told the Lord, I said, well, Lord, I'm going to be more uh, diligent about soul winning. Because when we are are in Detroit, we go out, pass out flyers for this, flyers for that. And in the, the free time, we go soul winning. But I was telling Miss Juana, I said, we've got to pick a day now where we can do the soul winning first, come early, an hour early for the meeting, and, and meet in the parking lot and go knock on doors and go invite people and make that a matter of routine, just incorporate that into the meeting. Because if you don't, it'll always be on the back burner, and you get to it when you get to it, and it's not a priority thing. And so if we will make things a priority that we know are necessary and need to be accomplished, then they'll get done. If we don't, it'll be the same old, same old. So you've got to get do some shuffling around and make yourself uncomfortable a little bit, but you've got to do those things. And so that was something that I learned when I went out there. And it's not a new lesson. It's the same old lesson. I knew what the answer was. But I got a chance to see it in operation. I got a chance to see the fruit that came of it. And then you can see and get stirred and get stimulated by somebody else's testimony. And so when you get to these places where your answer doesn't line up with God's answer, that's his time to teach you what the correct thing is. You see what I'm saying? So we all need teaching. We all need teaching. Amen. Praise God. So in Matthew 14, the disciples are telling Jesus, these people are hungry and we're not responsible to feed them. Did you get that? Not my job. Not my gift. Not what I'm supposed to do. Pastor Shirley didn't tell me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesus and Jesus said to them, they don't need to go anywhere. Huh? You give them something to eat. So he puts the responsibility right back where it needs to be. And that is on the church to feed those who are hungry. So what he's establishing here is a principle that has kept ministries together. In fact, Salvation Army exists now. It's, it's not nearly the soul-winning uh, entity that it used to be, but it exists now almost solely for that purpose, and that is feeding hungry people and taking care of people who are not um, able to feed themselves. They have such an excellent reputation um, do you, you guys remember, you know who Ray Kroc was, the late Ray Kroc, Joan Kroc, his wife, owned McDonald's. His name was not McDonald's, it was <laughs> Ray Kroc. <laughs> well, he left all of his estate to his wife, Joan. She outlived him by maybe about 10 years or so. When she passed away about 10 years ago, she left $1.6 billion 
to the Salvation Army. $1.6 billion. Why? Because of this right here. <laughs> they obey this one little scripture right here. <laughs> you go into some of their meetings and, and the gospel is barely preached there anymore. They do a lot of good works, not gospel works, but still as a Christian organization, they they outdo everybody as far as finances are. Because they got more money than all of us put together, all the rest of the body of Christ put together. Why? They obeyed us one scripture. <laughs> this one right here, this money right here. You understand what I'm saying? So we can do a lot, folks, just obeying one scripture. <laughs> you got me? Just obeying one scripture and being consistent with it and making it a matter of policy and a matter of course. So Jesus told them, don't send them people anywhere. He said, you feed them. And they said to him, you know, and this is this is true for churches. You know, many times you'll see churches that have 10,000 members. How many do you think are worried about what they're going to eat the next day or the next week? And see, they'll take money for the poor and send it overseas to show that they give to the poor. And they got people right there. Now, I can tell you a lot of guesses as to why they don't feed people. One of them is they don't want anybody in that condition coming into the building. Because it's going to drive all the important money people away. Fear. Fear. They don't know how to work their program. It's interesting. Now, CBN, which is, they've got very, very wealthy donors. They've got... Everyday people, supporters like me and like you, working people and all that kind of stuff. They continually give food everywhere. They give it everywhere, all over the world. They give it right there in Virginia Beach. They have a uh, uh, Christmas on the holidays. All of their employees are required to come to Christmas dinner and Thanksgiving dinner, and they get buses and go out to the different shelters that they know about. All these people, they all got it all organized. They bring them all in, and we all sit at a table together and share the Lord's Supper, you see. And so there are ways, if you really want to please God, there are ways to do it and do it in ways that are pleasing to God. But this is something that gets a church in trouble all the time is how do we deal with poor people? How do we deal with people that are not nicely dressed and clean and smell good to sit next to when you come in? You know, how do we deal with that? And so Jesus had a good way of dealing with it. He said, don't send these people anywhere. You feed them. That's your responsibility. You got them out here. You take care of them. If you're afraid they're not going to be able to find any food at this time of night, then you got to prepare for them. And so they said to him in verse 17, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring them here to me. Bring them to God. In other words, if you have difficulty with something God is expecting you to do it, has instructed you to do, then you go to God and get instruction for how to do it. That's very simple. See, this takes the guesswork and the pressure out of your life. 
the Bible says, if you, whatever you need, he said, make your requests known to God. He's your father. I don't care. I don't care if it's something really simple to do that you've handled it so many times on your own and done it very, very well on your own. You need to make your requests known to God. If you're going to do something and you're going to do it right and you're going to do it well, you've got to go to your heavenly father for instruction. You've got to go to him to get an understanding of how this thing is done. And you've got to go to him to make sure the provision is adequate because he's the one of supply. You might feel the pressure to, to be responsible for people, but the ultimate responsibility is God. He says, if you're concerned about something, cast that care on me because I care for you. And so the, then the peace of God will come in and help you to stay in peace the whole time you're accomplishing what it is that you want to accomplish. And so <clears throat> he says here, Jesus knows the keys to abundance and he's teaching his disciples the keys to abundant living. That's what he's teaching them. And he said, and he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed, broke it, gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. So Jesus took that bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And gave it to his disciples, and they passed it out. Now, in this, let me see. There's another account. I want to find which one it is because it does give a, a little bit better description. Let me see. Let me check real quick. What was that one? Matthew? All right. Wonderful. This is one that's gotten to count in every every gospel. And Mark chapter six is where the other one is. Sorry about that. Now I'm gonna go over to Luke chapter nine. I don't like to just say stuff. I like to make sure that you can read it. Luke chapter 9, 10 through 17. And, of course, there's John 6, and that's probably where it is, unless I'm misreading it. Yeah, it's in John chapter 6, verse 11. It says, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks. Amen. It's the same thing as blessing. I just needed you to see that. That blessing includes thanksgiving, and that's always the key to increase. So the land of living in the land of abundance, it's a land of thanksgiving. Amen. It's a thankful place. When you are a thankful person, thankful to God, I'm not talking about this Oprah Winfrey thankful stuff. Because she's not thanking God, she's just thanking stuff. But, you know, it's better than being prideful. 
but there's still a little bit of pride there if you can't thank God for what it is. You've got to know the source. Uh, if, if, I, if I got an anonymous piece of money in the mail and I'm feeling good about it, I appreciate it, I want to find out who sent it to me. You know, sometimes you'll go to great lengths to find out who's responsible for that blessing in your life. And that's Thanksgiving. You thank a person, you thank someone, because you appreciate it and you want to show your thanks to the appropriate person. And so when you understand that Thanksgiving is a key to abundant living, now you can have all kinds of material things, but if you don't have a heart that's given over in thanksgiving to God, it will never be enough. And this is an important key. Because had Jesus not offered that up to the Father in thanksgiving, they would have been short. Huh? They would have been short. I can tell you they would have been short. Because thanksgiving tends to extend the life of something. It tends to cause it to increase abundantly. You notice the difference. If, if you'll notice the difference, when you feel good about yourself, you feel good about your job, you feel good about your health, you feel good about, you know, everything in your life, and whatever's out of whack, you say, God is coming. You understand what I'm saying? And so if you can live that way, you'll notice that if things come up that are a little out of whack, it's just a minor thing. But if you feel totally out of sorts about everything, you're complaining, it ain't right, it's just one little thing that's not right in your life that stops the whole world, see, that's an unthankful heart. It is. And so, amen, and so we have to be careful, watch ourselves on our level of thanksgiving, our level of appreciation, our level of gratitude toward God. We have to maintain an attitude of thanksgiving toward God at all times because that increases the flow of good things in our lives. That will increase the flow of breakthrough in your life. That will increase the flow of abundance in your life. That will increase the flow of all good things in your life if you can be a person who is thankful. Thankful people are content people. Unthankful people are always looking for the next this, the next that, the next that, the next this, the next that, the next bit of money, the next good job, the next increase, the next. They can't sow enough labor into a job and wait for a promotion to come naturally. They just got to be looking for it. If it don't come right away, they want to quit that and go to something else because I'm supposed to be up here and I'm not supposed to be down here. And so if you're thankful, you're a person who can be anywhere and keep a level attitude about life, keep an even keel. Thanksgiving opens the door to blessing in your life. If you're not thankful, that door will close very, very quickly on you. And so the blessing stops. You're already in a snit about what you think you're supposed to have that you don't have yet. Huh? Unthankful people very don't spend a whole lot of time talking to God about the things that they desire. You'll find they're pretty much on their own. They're always making plans for more of this, always making plans for more of that, and God is seldom, if ever, included in those decisions that they're making. They just run from one thing to another. 
So God wants us to stop and get an understanding that, hey, look, I understand what you want. I understand what you need. I'm here to get it for you, but I'm telling you, you're on the wrong road. It's not going to come to you that way. So the land of abundance is a thankful place. It's not a place of complaining. It is not a place of disgruntlement. It's not a place of always waiting for the next great thing. But it's a place of righteousness, peace, and joy where you can, you can be a peaceful person. You're not expecting trouble all the time. You're expecting good things to come. I mean, even if you've got situations in your life that aren't really lined up the way God wants them to, you can expect them to work out well because you're a thankful person and you understand that a heart of thanksgiving is a heart that God can bless. It's if, if you are a thankful person, you're a person who is open to hear how God wants you to manage your life. People who are not thankful are very shut down and, and don't really have time to factor God in very much. They just see an opportunity or what they think is an opportunity, jump at that. They see a, a, a door kind of open and they want to kick it the rest of the way open and they jump at that. huh? And so if you are a thankful person, you are also a very peaceful person and you're a peace-loving person. huh? I know you young people don't relate to. You think everything's supposed to be excited, 90 miles an hour. But but you can be a peaceful person even when you enjoy exciting things. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I don't have energy for all that excitement no more in my life. You understand what I'm saying? But, But I know that there are times when you can expect, when blessings come to you, there's a level of appreciation that you get when you live in the spirit of thanksgiving, it's kind of an added bonus to what you already appreciate. You got me? It's, it's a different kind of uh, contentment and excitement about life. It's like, it's, it's like uh, the other day, yesterday, I went to, I had to stop at Home Depot to get some fixtures. There was a, we need another bathroom in that little building we have uh, in Hamtramck, and so we had gotten an estimate. Uh, the guy wanted $1,800 in three days, and I told Juan, I said, I don't know what he's going to be doing in that building for three days, but it'll take you three days to put in a toilet and a vanity. You know, even though you got to build, build it into the existing plumbing, there's nothing there already. Still, I said, that ain't three days' work. I said, and we need to find somebody else. So we finally found a guy. He could do it for 800 I told her that's our guy. She said, he could do it as soon as tomorrow. Well, that was Saturday. You see what I'm saying? And so I told the Lord, I said, God, you know, we want this done. Can we get it done? And so I just went through getting all that stuff done. I went online and bought the stuff. And they said, oh, it's ready for you and your whatever, whatever, you know, all that online. And I don't like to buy certain things online. Now, I'm not saying that I don't like a lot of stuff on there, but certain things I'm just not big on, especially appliances and stuff. They got so many toilets and so many. So I just say, God, give me the first thing that comes up. It'll be fine. But one of the problems was every time I went to put in our tax exempt number, it wouldn't register. So I had to decide do I pay the taxes and get my stuff so I can get the bathroom in tomorrow or do I quibble over $18 with them and then have to wait and get this done later so I decided to go the path of peace 
pay the money. So when I went into the store, I was meeting the plumber there. I went into the store uh, to pick it up because you have to pick it up in person. I mentioned to the girl at the desk, it's kind of funny because when I first came in and I knew my, my time was tight, the line had about five people in it and I was at the back of the line. And when I came in line, I just said, I said, well, God, I'm just going to take my place in line. You work this out for me. Immediately, another girl came and opened the register. She said, well, do you have a pickup order? Who has it? I said, I do. She said, okay. And so when I talked to her, I told her, I said, it wouldn't let me take. She said, girl, I'll take that off for you. You see what I'm saying? See, when you live in that land of abundance, you expect good. Not because I'm good, because I obey him. I just follow his leading. God, I told you what I desire, and I'm expecting you to work this out for me. Now, I can remember a time when I would get in the flesh and tell everybody off and want to get the manager. You understand? I mean, listen, we done all been there. If you haven't been there, bless God, you haven't been as crazy as I was. Because I never saw anything working out for me. Now, listen to me. If you're still living like that, I got news for you. You can do better. God's got better for you. You can live in a land of abundance where he's already set in motion. Do you know when you set out to go somewhere, you live in abundance with God, angels go before you to pave the way for you to do what you need to do. They're already waiting for you. They'll tell people to get to that counter. I was shocked. We got there earlier yesterday when we got, than we usually get to the Rejoice Detroit meeting. I looked at my watch. Well, Poppy and them beat us there, but we're going to get them next. And we usually beat them. We usually beat the bus getting there every single time. And so when we got there, I was really shocked that we were more on time even when I had something else extra to do. You see what I'm saying? Now, that may be that may not mean much to you, but it sure means a lot to me because I see God in it. I see God working on my behalf. I see him working out even what we call small things so that I can see the hand of God. That's what I'm in, in interested in most. I can see the hand of God working with me and working for me. I know I'm in the will of God, and I know God is there for me. So it's a good thing to always remember that. Stay thankful. It doesn't cost you anything to offer up God a little phrase of thanksgiving. Just, God, I thank you for, for whatever. You know, thank you, Jesus. Just mutter that sometimes to yourself. And let that, because you'll feel that it's in your heart to want to do that anyway. You're not forcing yourself. To, if anything, you're trying to push it down and not let it come out. You know, you keep it coming forth like it's supposed to, and you can be thankful to God at all times. Psalm 107, verse 9, tells us this. Oh, I'm sorry, 107, verse 1. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. His mercy, that's why you need to give thanks to him. Because if he could look down and see, oh, he, she's thanking me. Let me throw some mercy her way. See? He never runs out of mercy. Now, he gets tired of being mad. Amen? The Bible says his wrath only lasts for a short time. But his loving kindness and his mercy endure forever. Forever. You can step into the mercy of God. Why do we put off 
asking God for what we need. You know, like he don't know. He wants to give it to us. He is ever merciful. David found that out. David was a mighty man of God. I mean, and this is life, folks. You'll be a a great person of God to some people. You'll be, you know, trouble to some. You know what I'm saying? That's life. David was a great man of God. He did so many things to advance the nation of Israel and make them a real people, able to govern themselves, keep their, their worship going, and all of the things that were needed for the priesthood. He was even a psalmist. He wrote songs. He set up the worship system with the priests. All that stuff, he organized everything. He was totally given over to the Spirit of God, but when he would mess up, he'd mess up as big as he You understand what I'm saying? That's us. You understand? That's us. (laughs) For those of you Christians who think the life of Christianity is doing the right thing all the time and never messing up, and that's how you earn favor with God, I got news for you. I wrote a book about it. It's called Plead the Blood. (laughs) Right? That's right. That has to be your plea. It has to be. And look for God to redirect your steps in the right way that they should go. That's mercy. See, a judgment is when you don't get another chance, you don't get a do-over. But mercy is, well, okay, I forgive you, but listen to me real good this time, and I told you, show you how to do this and get it right. God's not judging us on right and wrong because he's mad if we do wrong. He's not like people. Amen. He's not mad at us if we do wrong. He's forgiving. Why? Because he knows there's right in us. Huh? He wants you to get to the place where right comes out all the time. Huh? And when you please God, there's nobody else to please. Now, you know, that sounds a little mean to some people. We think we're supposed to go around, you know, kissing up the people all day long, not making any waves. and But you got to please God because the day will come where you got to make that choice. You either please God or you please man. God will let you slide and let you get around, get away with some of these things for a season. But the day will come when it's who do you love? Who do you really love? What are you doing down here? What are you really here for? Huh? So his mercy endures forever. We give thanks to him for that reason. Because his mercy endures forever. You will always be able to get God to do something merciful for you. Hmm? Not throwing the book at you. Not pulling the plug on you. Not giving you your last chance or your last rights. You understand what I'm saying? His mercy endures forever. He brings us back into everlasting life every time we have contact with him. Do you know when you have time with God, when you pray before God, part of his life gets infused into you. You get recharged in the life of God. 
sometimes it's it's really known to us and sometimes it's barely known to us but when you spend time with the lord that is a spiritual exchange you let go of something that's not right for you something that may be holding you down something that may be a trouble for you any of that kind of stuff but when you serve god and you make that exchange with god and you spend time with god then god is able to help you and he's able to infuse his life into you that's what your help is see your help is not from the outside it's something imparted to you by god that stirs you up and brings you up on the inside it's the inside workings that is what god wants us to do it's an inner working that helps us it really really does god's love always flows through a thankful heart faith works by love amen faith is just like if i had been in that line and got uh, upset because time was going you know or let myself get knotted up and because it was you know getting late or whatever whatever i gotta be there you know no faith works by love you've got to stay peaceful You've got to understand that God put you there and he's going to take care of you. Even if it had been late. I've been late before. You understand? You, 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 we make big things out of small things sometimes. Well, we really don't have to do that. You don't have to lose your cool and lose your position in God because of. Amen? Because of. So give thanks to the Lord. He's good. His mercy endures forever. God's love flows to a thankful heart. A thankful heart is a faith-filled heart. So you don't have to worry about, do you have enough faith? If you don't have enough, it flows to you through a thankful heart. Look at faith as being part of many blood vessels or many components of the blood in your body. When your heart is thankful, it's constantly pulling for more of the fruit of God's spirit, more things that's going to help your faith, more things that are going to keep it going, more things that are come. You see that in some of the encounters Jesus had with people that needed to be healed. When that lady was the daughter that was sick and she wanted that daughter, Syrophoenician woman, she wanted the daughter healed. The disciples said, you know, oh, forget her, cast her to the side and they looked at Syrophoenician people as lower than them. So this woman, even coming to Jesus, had to have a lot of courage just to get that far. And so Jesus recognizes that. He says, now she knows we don't connect with people like her. Her faith is bringing her here. So, But he recognizes that her faith is not at the level it needs to be for the healing for the daughter only thing that's wrong with our our level of faith and let me just tell you this so you'll understand it you won't get won't get spooky and mysterious about it what what keeps your level of faith from producing for you first time out is there's obstacles in you keeping it from having its full expression Huh? I'm going to say it again. There are obstacles within you that keep it from having its full expression. And it's not your job to move them. (laughs) 
See, what happens when we get a no answer? Attitude. See, you get mad. Or And then some people are, are real well-connected in the natural, and they start maneuvering, calling people, doing the, you know, moving things around. You know, they get a no answer, and they just sit and think for a minute and say, oh, I can get it from. Uh, that's not how we're supposed to live. That's not the land of abundance. Because what's going to happen is God will shut that down, too, if he sees you. Uh, he'd rather have you broken on course with him than to have you see you with everything that you want and not be where he wants you to be. Mm-hmm. And so he shuts all of that down. There'll come a season where that won't work for you anymore. Huh? The old ways, the little old doors you used to go in all the time and get another opportunity, they will be shut down. Why? He wants you to use your faith because you can do this. You can do this. <laughs> If the woman, if the Syrophoenician woman could do it, you can do it. And so the first time she asked Jesus, he didn't even say anything to her. And that's when the disciples decided they were going to do the usher abuse thing. Oh, yeah, she's she, she a foreigner anyway. We treat her any kind of way. Well, and they did. And so she didn't, she didn't move. She asked Jesus again. She said, well, let me try doing what I see them people do. See, this is where you get your fake faith confession out. Huh? I believe I receive when I pray. Well, I'm healed. Huh? I'm, I'm, I'm. So we try that and that don't get it. Huh? And so Jesus finally tells her, he said, hmm, we're not supposed to take the children's bread. He said, that healing, that's for these Hebrews. He said, you ain't good enough. So you ain't nothing but a dog. And she said, yeah, but either dogs take the crumbs see that was the hindrance all along when she came to god she did not come believing he was going to do anything for her because she was a lower class person according she put jesus in the same category with the pharisees and the rest of the religious people and you can't do that with him because he's god you got to put him in his own category he stands as she was thinking I'm going to have to figure out a way to get somebody to do something for me, and they don't want to do it. That's a wrong way to come to God anytime, because if you don't believe he wants to do it for you, you need to go get back in your Bible until you believe that he only honors faith, not people. He's no respecter of persons. It doesn't come, it doesn't care who comes to him as long as they come to him in faith and as long as they come to him believing that's all that's necessary. And so when Jesus decides <clears throat> that he's going to, uh, work with this woman and work with the little bit that she has to remove those obstacles to her faith from her so that she can receive, he decides that he's got to get her to express her faith in some way, and he does it by provoking her. Amen? He makes her mad. And she's kind of a feisty woman. She wouldn't have come all that way if she didn't mean to get something from him. And so she tells him, she's, yeah, but even dogs can have crumbs from the table. And he said, go home because your daughter's well because of this thing. See, she didn't let her, she didn't let herself get offended. Huh? You can no more be an offended person and live in the faith of God 
Huh? You can't do it. You can't be a perfect because faith works by and love is not easily offended. It's not touchy. It's not upset about anything. This woman loved her daughter. She crawled all the way up there and she wanted that girl well. And she had love in her heart for her daughter. And and God took that and said, I'm going to let her faith plow over that obstacle of offense and express itself so that she can get her daughter healed. And so God is ever merciful. That's what you need to know. The land of abundance is a land filled with mercy. His mercy endures forever. Amen. God's love flows to a thankful heart. Those who know his mercy are able to receive his abundance. It is a loving place. Amen. Abundance begins with love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. We are to love our neighbor as ourself. And when we do that, we fulfill the law. In other words, we're to walk in love. We're to walk in gentleness. We're to walk in peacefulness. We're to walk in kindness. We're to walk in humility and walk in truth. Amen? The Bible describes Jesus as full of grace and truth. Grace really means the license by God to express his love. That's what grace is. It's the unmerited favor of God to express his truth. When we talk about God gave me the grace to pray for the sick. He gave me the grace to. We say anointing for everything, but really uh, anointing is the power that does the work. Grace is the door that opens the way for the work to happen. You see what I'm saying? So you have to have, like for instance, I know that if I if I pray for certain people, they will be healed. But do I have the grace to do it? Huh? Now, if they don't want it, I don't have the grace to do it. You ever notice when Jesus, people would come to Jesus and he would say, here's a, here's a man like. And Jesus said, what can I do for you? Uh, sir, uh, don't stumble on me, but what can I do for you? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why do you think that? Is he just messing with somebody? <laughs> huh? Why do you think he does that? Your faith must be expressed. See, he had to have the grace to minister to people. Remember, he said he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. So that clouded the atmosphere for miracles there was no atmosphere for miracles but still in order for that thing to get into your life you got to give me permission to do that i just can't come up to you and just take a cancer off because because you i think you need it it doesn't work that way that's against the law spiritual laws and so grace then like when you come to the altar here grace will enable you To be able to receive such as the minister has, but you have to stay in an attitude of receiving in order that grace has to flow between the two of us to give us that avenue for the anointing to walk over and impart itself and deposit itself to you. Amen? 
many times people don't understand the grace working on them. And you'll say to them, well, come on and walk a few steps with me. And they walk a few and they start looking at people. See, they've stepped out of the grace. The grace was there. If they had stayed in it, they'd get it all. But they step out of that and it stops the flow of the anointing. And then they just stand around looking at people and limp back to their seat the same way they came up. But see, I have to be graced in order to you. You have to graciously receive what I have. There has to be an exchange of trust. Grace is a trust between us. It's a desire on your part to receive from God. And it's an ability that when it's, it's intact, everything that you need through the anointing will march right over on that bridge of grace and get over into your life. You understand what I'm saying? It's a wonderful thing. If it's not there, you just don't go up to people and start yanking on them and pulling on them and all this kind of stuff. And they're confused and don't know what's going on. You, you, have, to, you have to have grace give you access into these things. Amen? And so then grace then allows the faith to start working and the anointing continues and completes the work. You see what I'm saying? And so that's what Jesus would have when he would work with people. If they say, Master, I want to receive my sight, then the grace for giving sight to him is in, has been exchanged and the anointing flows over on the grace of God. They all help one another, you see. They help one another. That's why some people can walk away healed and some people don't. That's why some people can make the word useful in their lives and others don't. See, it's a grace factor. If you, if you can graciously receive what God has for you, I don't care if it's a word to correct you. Just understand there's a grace to receive that. From the hand of God, amen, and receive it graciously, amen. We have the, we do that all the time. There is a grace to, as a pastor, I have, me and Sister McKinney had a grace exchange today. Yeah, we did. And it's all love and it's all peace and it's all good, amen. Because as her pastor, I can come to her and entreat her, yes, and say, you know what, I think you ought to do that this way, and it'll be you know, okay, all right. And see, this is this is something that we have to learn as Christians. We have to understand that when God puts you in interaction with one another, you know, many times I'll pray and I'll ask God, God, you know, uh, you know, open the door for me to say things to people. Open the door for this exchange to happen. Open the because this, if they receive this, this will help them. Nobody's trying to cause you trouble or cause you pain or put you down. So there even has to be a grace exchange there for you to impart correction, instruction, wisdom, knowledge, all that kind of stuff. It has to be that way. So it, abundance begins with love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Those who abide in his love live abundantly. That's abundance right there. If you abide in the love of God, you live abundantly. Excuse me. Sometimes you can just be sitting and and think about some of the good things that God's done in your life. The bad stuff is going to crop up in your mind anyway. Make yourself think about the good things. Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report. 
praiseworthy and thankworthy. You know, keep your mind on those things. And then you're always set to move out in the love of God and move out in the power of God. People who uh, walk in the abundant life enjoy the best of life. They enjoy it. Amen. They enjoy life. They're not just skipping through and, and dealing with a lot of problems and never have time to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. They enjoy life. Life without love is fruitless, joyless, and lifeless. Yeah. That's how many times people can, can be single for many, many years and still be content. Now, every now and then the devil will bug you. Oh, you know what? Birthday is coming up this year. <laughs> And yeah, devil, we counted them together last time, too. And I'm still here, and I'm still full of joy. Huh? <laughs> but without love, it's fruitless and joyless and lifeless. And love isn't always hooking up with the right person. You know, we need to get our right definition of love. Love is having the heart of God toward all people. Amen? Just have his heart toward them. Amen? Want the best for people. Want the encouragement of God in a person's life. Want God to be able to let that person be positioned where they can be blessed in God at all times. That's, that's the love of God. It's patient, kind, humble, and forgiving. That's the abundant life. Living in the land of abundance is a forgiving place. Amen? It's not a grudge-holding place. It's a forgiving place. Amen? And it forgives over and over and over and over and over again. Amen. Leviticus 19.18 talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. And that is a sacrificial love. Amen. Love means taking time with people. Spending time with people. Amen. It means meeting your obligations toward people. There are certain people in your life you must take care of. So love means that those people get high priority and they know it. Huh? They get high priority and they know it. When I was growing up, there were four of us girls and, and many times my mother seemed to be overwhelmed. You know, she had come from the South and, you know, that was an adjustment in itself. You know, she was kind of a country girl and knew how to cook and knew how to do some basic things, but she's also the baby in the family. And so there were a lot of things she hid while her older brothers and sisters did them. If anybody's got kids, and you know, if you're the oldest, you know what, how that works. And if you're the baby, you know how that works. And so she was always seemed to be a little overwhelmed with things. And if anything, if anything happened that tipped her over the edge, we all got it. I'm sick of you kids, you know. I sacrifice, and we used to recite that sometimes when she get mad. But but see, if you live in the land of abundance, there's abundance of love. Listen, Michelle Duggar, 19, and the rest of the the little 19s are counting now. You understand what I'm saying? Now, she can do that. There's grace to do all of these things. And see, my mom's overwhelmed with four. How would you like 19? You see what I'm saying? And so there is a grace to do all things. It's just up to us as believers to find it. And when you live in a, in a land of abundance, there's a enormous grace to do all kinds of things. You'll be able to do all kinds of things without getting upset, without being short-tempered. Amen. I'm working on it. You still working on it. Everybody's still working on it. We have to work on these things. Amen. 
And so when you live in the land of abundance, you have abundant grace to master all things. The land of abundance is a place of generosity, limitless supply to meet every need. You sometimes you might be thinking of, well, what am I going to do for dinner? or What am I do for that? And then all of a sudden the Lord will pop an idea into your head, you know, of how to put things. I'm, I'm a good person at managing leftovers. I don't like to throw stuff away. You know, you grow up hungry a lot and you'll learn. You know, and I see, you know, people waste so many things. You know, people go to McDonald's, eat half of it, throw it away, all that. We, we don't, we should be ashamed. You know what I'm saying? But I'm good at managing leftovers. And so many times what I'll do is I'll, somebody will say, well, I didn't know all this was in here. Yeah, because you got to know how to put it together, right? See? That's the Holy Spirit. Living in the land of abundance, there's grace to learn how to put it together, right? So the Holy Spirit will teach you. You know, and the people who are, are nervous about that will get scared of you sometimes, you know. I know I had a reputation for a while in my family. She got that old food in there. I, mean, I know how to manage. And a lot of times they was eating and didn't know what they was eating because it was new once it got back out there again with the right stuff on it. See, y'all queens don't know how to manage you know what the problem is? People bring that leftover looking the same way it did the first time they ate it. Female trick number 100. You don't play that. Homie, don't play that. Huh? You gotta, you gotta rearrange the thing on them, see? You gotta doll it up a little bit, see? Gotta put a muffin on that plate today, see? My husband come telling me that stuff when we were newlyweds. He's, I don't eat leftovers. Well, I just looked at him. <laughs> you know, you, but inside I said, you don't know to have them. You've been eating them all this time and didn't even know it. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know what's going on. Tell me what you don't eat. Huh? I'm the cook around here. I'm in charge of the kitchen. That right, Poppy? See? <laughs> and Poppy said Amen. But you you got to put some effort into it. See, you got to put some effort into it. You got to understand that people do get bored with the same thing over and over again. So you know, God just taught me. He said, "Well, if you made a a, a meat or you roasted a meat, you know, you make a casserole and put a sweet bread on there, some butter, and you know, garnish it with something. They think they're in heaven. <laughs> oh, this is good. When did we?" We never had this before. Oh, no, we sure haven't. Huh? That's what they do in the restaurants. Why do you think they have soup on the menu? And those, them, uh, them uh, uh, what are them potato skins? Now, them scare me. Because I swear I saw that baked potato on my plate last night. Y'all took it out that garbage can and then fried it and put some bacon bits on it. Now we cause, see, that stuff scares me. I want to believe it's the leftover baked potatoes that nobody touched yet. But we ain't, the jury's still out on that. But when them things popped up on the menu, I said, oh, no, they didn't go too far now. So I know what this is. See, if you're a manager of leftovers, you know what stuff is when you've seen it before. I saw this baked potato last night. 
If it's still got the old sour cream in it, then you know it's a tip-off. Got me? You didn't eat them, Chabon. Stop it. But, oh, I wouldn't eat that. You have. You don't know what they're doing back in their kitchen. I'll tell you what they're doing. So, <laughs> the, the, the land of abundance is not imaginary. It's real. This one's more real than the one you can conjure up up here. It's not an imaginary land, but it is real. It's real because faith makes it real. See, when you live by faith, that's more reality than your imagination. We need to trade imagination and hopes and wishes in for real Bible faith. Real real Bible faith. Because if it's faith-based, it will work and it will manifest at some point. So it's not imaginary, but it's real. And it increases in us as we grow in the knowledge of God and his word and grow in our spiritual increase. So the way to increase what you receive from God is to increase your faith for it. Spend time in the word. Spend time thanking God for it. If you don't, if you don't spend time in the word meditating on that, you've got enough word in you to bring that up and just think on it. God, I thank you for for bringing my new house. I thank you for getting my house in order so that if you're looking to sell your house, get my house in order so I can sell it or get my house in order, period, so I can enjoy it more. Whatever it is that you want to do, don't look at yourself as getting out of something all the time. Look to enjoy it while you're there, you know. And and it and it will increase. Pretty soon it'll be natural for you to look at your next place where you're going to be and step into it. And this is real. It's not imagination. See, what frustrates us is wishing we had something. You look at what you have and you don't like it. Number one, what you should do when you see that is start thanking God for it anyway. God, you know, this isn't, or it isn't what I want it to be, or it's not, I don't own it if you're renting. You know, this isn't mine, I don't own it. But Lord, I thank you for it, and I'm going to start treating it like it's mine, treating it like I own it, be responsible for it, take care of it, put improvements into it, new paint, new whatever, you know, decorate some, pull up some old carpeting, put down new flooring, whatever it is. I finally broke down and bought throw rugs for for my living room and i said these look real nice i should have got you know what you say i should have got this a long time ago what took me so you know what i'm saying is you break open into a whole new world where i realized i bought the other ones just to have something to put down you know and it was supposed to be temporary well that was 14 years ago see my temporary nowadays is 14 years but but you can do better. You do it at your own pace. Some people buy homes, decorate them, get them nice, flip them, sell them to somebody else and keep moving. You understand what I'm saying? That's the pace we live at nowadays. And so if we are thankful people, we will learn how to make things permanent in a temporary fashion. See, you can make it permanent. Make it your own. Make it your possession. Treat it like it's yours. Be content enough to be there forever, and then one day God will say, well, you've done what I wanted you to do with this one. Let's move you to something. Now, what's in your heart? You, there's some things you've been wanting to add to this. 
let me get you a new blank canvas to add it on to. And let God increase you from there, you see. And it, it won't hurt you to leave because right now that's in your heart real good. But when God starts moving you on, your affection gets set on the new thing that he has for you. And But you can bless somebody with this that you're leaving behind. Huh? Let's learn how to be like that. Leave, leave good fruit behind. Be thankful people. Let that be our, let that be what people know about us, that we are thankful people. So there is no lack where God abides and guides. Psalm 23, 1. When we follow him, there is no lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I want for nothing. I lack nothing. And I mean nothing. You're full with with joy, you're full with goodness, you're full with kindness. So don't take the detour and become distracted by the fear of lack. You know, you'll be enjoying life with God and then all of a sudden the devil will pop up and say, oh, but you don't have this yet. huh? Hey, this ain't right, see. You, you gotta, you're supposed to have. When you hear that, that's the devil. God knows what you're supposed to have, and it's on the way. Huh? He's not going to start getting you stirred up in anger because you think you're lacking. See, when you say supposed to and you don't have it, that's lack speaking to you. So God does not speak to us in a voice of lack. He speaks to us in a voice of abundance. He said, what would you like to have? Huh? You tell me what you want, and I'll get it for you. Don't be upset and disgruntled with things the way they are, just because you can't think of any other better way to be about things. Learn how to be content. Learn how to live abundantly. Learn how to have abundant joy in your heart for the, for the abundance of things that God has given and is yet to give you. It ain't over yet. He's got more down the road for all of us if we will stay in that land of abundance. So don't take that detour and get distracted by the fear of lack. And that's all it is, is fear telling us that we have no ability to attain the things we desire, which may be true, but you have a covenant with God that guarantees that it's yours. Amen. <laughs> your, your not having what you need to get it is never of any consequence. It's never of any consequence. So the covenant with God includes all things. There is nothing that God is unwilling to do if he has promised it to you. First, you have to hide that in your heart. You must get that in your heart, the promise of God. Once you get that in your heart, then expect God to give you the next thing to do to get that in your life. There's always more to do. Don't go try to do something to impress him. To see if you get it faster. Amen. You just wear yourself out. So before you go there, I'm warning you. That don't work. Huh? He's already got it scheduled. He knows the date, the time, everything for when it's going to fall into your life. The other thing is get peace about it. Philippians 4, 5 through 7 says that it, not to be anxious for anything. Don't be nervous. Don't be fretful. Don't fear. Don't think it's not going to happen. But he says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to him. Many times we're looking for stuff that we've never asked God for. You've never talked to God about it. 
And so because if you did, he will shake hands with you on it. It's like he says, okay, Nola, I heard that. And you say, okay, God, I got your peace now. See, that's the peace handshake of God. That's the hallmark that God's got it, and it's on the way. If you don't have peace, then keep talking to God until he gives you peace about it. Amen? Or he'll tell you, you know, he'll let you know he'll peacefully release you, but you won't be worried. So if it's something that's really not for you or not for you right now, he will leave you in a state of contentment where you will not be worried and fretful about it. He won't let the devil play with your head over stuff. You got me? You know, the devil, if if you don't get peace about something you really think you really, really want, you'll go to, you'll start to worry, well, what's wrong? How come I can't have it? What did I do? What do I have to do? God won't leave you like that. He will not leave you like that. He will minister to you. He will help you. Because living in the land of abundance more than anything means living in peace with God. You got me? You will have peace with him over all things in all areas. And so once we understand that, then we'll be able to accomplish all things that God has set before us that he wants us to do. He wants us to live that way. The land of abundance is a wealthy place. That's what the Bible says. The wealth comes from your ability to maintain your spiritual life. That's really your wealth. It has nothing to do with natural things, you know. I hate to see young people working so hard at material things because that's not what God, listen, whatever it is that you have now, Many times, if it's out of season in your life, it'll wreck you to some degree to try and maintain it. It's good to just stay on schedule with God. You understand what I'm saying? I was the same way when I was young. I I felt like my parents, you know, we were poor all the time. We didn't have this. And, boy, when I get grown, I'm going to get everything I want. And I got that and a nervous breakdown, too. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just being honest with you. It came from a heart of discontentment. I didn't know God. But you young people, you know the Lord. You can stretch out in faith. You can see your life going smooth for the rest of your years if you will allow God to get you on his schedule. And it's to live in a land of abundance in your heart. Love people. Bless people. Help people. Bless the church. Bless God. Do everything in your heart that is good and is, is, is right and is holy and is just to do. And when you know that you've done that, then you just live in the land of abundance and the wealth of, of contentment with God, knowing that he is pleased with what you do. That's the most important thing. Amen? Praise God. All right, why don't we stop. Father, we thank you for your word.